Thank you for tuning in to The Arts in Business, a podcast that explores how artistic sensibilities can positively impact the business world. I am Sebastian Grube, an artist, entrepreneur, and communications professional who aims to build a more compassionate world through amplifying voices. I am also the founder of Beyond Comms, a communications agency that unearths and amplifies the stories that inspire founders to build sustainable and impactful businesses. So let's dive in. Hi, listeners. Thank you so much for joining today. I'm with Salvatore today. He's an amazing uh, American traveler, one of the youngest people to have ever visited every country in the world, which is quite an accomplishment. Um, he's also the head of FDI at Abu Dhabi Investment Office, where he leads company attraction, relationship management, and ecosystem enablement across five key sector cluster areas. That's a lot. Um, we can maybe try to unpack that a little bit on this episode. Um, he's also the president and founder of the culturally inclusive development NGO called Trails of, Trail of Seeds. And I met Salvatore through a mutual friend a few months ago, and his open and welcoming energy is, is really just truly contagious and a pleasure to be around. And he also has a background in dance, which is really why we're here today. And I'm super excited to explore that and see how that relates to your activities and your engagements that you've had with people all over the world. So thank you so much for joining me today, Salvatore. Thank you so much for, for having me. I'm, I'm really excited because I, I don't know why or how necessarily dance connects to what I'm doing, but I'm excited to excited to explore it over the the next hour with you because uh, I'm both are very important to me, and so I'm sure there's lots of connections between them. Yeah, and really that's what this podcast is about too, is to have exploratory conversations in which we can learn from each other. So I'm um, I'm really excited to just ask questions and and see where the conversation goes. Um, so to start with, uh, did you bring? A beverage and a vessel of your choice. I did. So I am a uh, avid tea collector. So mm. when you're traveling to every country, obviously you're not going to get a souvenir from every country because it would take up too much. But I would always spend, you know, my my last few dollars that I had, like you know, on exchange at the airport, um, getting tea or finding a tea cafe uh, before I would go. And so um, I have in the cup. It is a Romanian, sorry, Bulgarian mountain tea that I got from this like really cute little um, tea shop in Sofia the day that I left. And then the cup itself is a Japanese tea cup. When I went to Japan in 2019 for my second time, I decided to just do all the best tea experiences. And so I, um, I like went to Uchi where matcha is from. I went to some of these uh, traditional Japanese tea experiences. I went to some more modern ones. And one of my friends, it was my birthday while I was there, and one of my friends got me this this cup for uh, for my birthday. So I am drinking one of my favorite teas in one of my favorite tea cups. Thank you. Can you describe what's on the cup uh, to the listeners who can't see it? <laughs> yeah, it is a uh, like pastel colored dragon. So it's like uh, gold and like gold leaf embossed uh, with beautiful pink and blue flowers, and then a, a dragon that has flowers and I would think maybe her hair. I guess I shouldn't gender a inanimate mm. mythical yeah, creature. It. But yeah, it's really nice. Nice. I love that shimmer. <laughs> yeah, it's the only one that I like. I definitely keep away from the cats because they knock everything else over. But this yeah. one, I, I keep safe. Yeah. And I love that we're kind of matching today. So I have a um, a cup that is hand painted from Turkey. Uh, it's blue, gray, white, and has these little like houses with red. Uh, um, roofs on top and uh, kind of reminds me of the like it reminds me of maritime culture or just um, gives me a maritime feeling which is where I spent a lot of my childhood summers um, by the Baltic Sea so it's kind of bringing me back to that and inside I have a apple tea with some black tea because I needed a bit of caffeine yeah. delicious oh, I'm jealous yeah. we should trade uh, yeah and well I'm jealous of the of the mountain tea that sounds amazing I'm gonna quote this because it was hard to find uh, on your personal website right toward the end of your biography you wrote uh, quote no matter where I am traveling there are some things you'll always find me doing I dance constantly especially East African and Caribbean styles though I've even trained in ballet end of quote I love that because it's so wherever I look online and the, the kind of material that is that is online about you from your travels which there's a lot 
that line of dance doesn't show up so far except that that bio and i want to know more about that um tell me more about the dance your dance background i really started i guess when i went to to boarding school and it wasn't um very formal at the the beginning so i went to this international boarding school called united world college uh, there's students from 90 different countries and to this day i've never been to a party that is better than a uwc party and that's because you know like we would kind of give each continent you know like time to dj and so we mm -hmm. would have like you know a dance hall music from jamaica and then we'd have like european house and then we'd have like american hip-hop and then we'd have like you know all these different styles at, at all of these um at all of uh, these parties and so i kind of was just came in as like a chameleon really interested in in dancing and in all of the different styles that i that i could um and the one that like really stuck was caribbean soca so one of my best friends um was from trinidad and she was an incredible dancer and um you know kind of funnily i once had a there was this group of girls uh a uh a kenyan a trinidadian um, and the and the Zambian, and they kind of made the joke that uh, that I would always stay a virgin if I didn't learn how to dance. <laughs> and so, um, and I don't know if I've ever said that publicly before, but that's true. I remember specifically where in campus we were when they said that, and I think that was like, okay, wait, I need to like learn how to dance. And so I learned Caribbean soca, and we would just just at parties, right? And they would be like every. You know, the way it worked then was every time a new song would come out, like everybody would meet in a room and just like try and figure out how to dance to that. And they would teach me the the different dance styles at the time, like doing like TikToking and all of these things. Mm. And uh, I got just really into it uh, and got really excited. I visited Trinidad a couple years later. Her mother every year would send me like a list of all of the Caribbean, uh, uh, of all the carnival songs. And um, and as I started traveling, I would just dance everywhere. I would travel and just try and like adapt the the different styles. Um, and then in 2011, I went for my first time to Tanzania and there was a dance troupe there that we were working with through the Trail of Seeds NGO. And, um, you know, I decided to kind of just to join that troupe. And then we, um, you know, this was kind of like a, in a way a dance intensive. You know, we spent six or seven weeks every single day dancing for three to five hours. I um, you know, get, getting really deep into um, to East African line dancing. And then uh, I return every year and we still do a lot of dancing. But those first few years was when we would do like practice and rehearsals every single day and we would do shows. Um, now it's a little bit more. Um, uh, it's a little bit more uh, like ad hoc. And then when I was about 25, I decided to um, to take some time off work and I was traveling and I realized that with both the styles that I had been trained in with with Soka and the East African dance it was really um about uh like your hips you know it was like especially mm -hmm. like in in Soka oftentimes you like leave your feet on the ground and you just wind your hips right mm -hmm. and so um uh, I said you know what let me try and like learn ballet like I should learn how to move my feet <laughs> and I it's the most like beautiful form of dance and so much so artistic and so um i took um this like really uh really like crazy like one-on-one -on -one ballet intensive um for a few months again every single day just kind of like getting back into it um and and yeah and as i've like traveled i mean i, I think i have um uh, you know really danced in every country and it was a big part of of um of my travel experience. And I do remember one time I was in an, an interview, it was like a business interview. Um, and the, the interviewer asked me, you know, okay, that's incredible. You've been to every country. What have you learned? And and I said, everybody dances. And he kind of laughed and he said, I was expecting some kind of economics insight. <laughs> and but instead I said dancing. So yeah, that's a little bit of that's that's most of the story, but it was, you know, a little bit kind of ad hoc, but like formalized in a few different ways and just exploring and, and just seeing different ways to like move your body and realizing that that everybody does it. The the person on the interview that you were referring to, they asked you, what did you learn? Um, I want to ask you the same question, but I want to ask you, what did you learn about yourself through the dance? I think 
dance is the most basic form or expression of human happiness. And I I think I learned how to be happy with dance. Like I think it was um like it, it's always kind of been my my uh my like go to like fun escape. And I I can kind of like measure or like take a the barometer of my happiness on my like willingness and my um my uh, like how often I, I'm dancing because I just feel so happy and I remember another time and these are all actually you know like a, a disclaimer a lot of these stories are like old and it just kind of makes me sad because I haven't really done a lot of dance in the last like five years maybe mm-hmm. but I remember there was one point in 2013 I had two of my colleagues um, over to my house and I had this big dancing mirror I oh I have one now in my house I in every um every home I always put up a dancing mirror because I, I find it really important and people always think it's not a dancing mirror. They think it must be a mirror or something else. <laughs> and it's, it very honestly is a dancing mirror. And um, so I, perf- I had told them my dance and that's really important to me. And so they said like, let me, let's see it. So I played a couple soca songs and I just went kind of like all out. And this guy who was um, like this very, a stern kind of like rigid like to use that word again um kuwaiti guy he like pulled me aside and he's like you looked so happy when you were dancing and i wish that you looked that happy every day uh, of your life and i thought that was such a nice thing to say um but you know also in a way also sad to be like okay how how can you bring that that joy um uh into other parts of life yeah you know that that really resonates with me because the first i would say the first art form that i engaged with out of the the many that i have was was dance um and i did dance for i think like 16 17 years until i kind of gave it up or it just dwindled away but now every time i dance again that that feeling of happiness comes back and i i i say to myself why am i not doing this more often like this makes me so happy this makes me feel good and i keep forgetting it but then i'm reminded when i do it it's there is i love i love that learning like dance is the most basic form of human happiness that it's it totally rings true so true there's and I've, you see it in every even like i've been to very very conservative christian um like worship sessions where they would say it's kind of like in the movie footloose you know like like dancing is not allowed but they're bobbing their heads i mean everyone has kind of a rhythm you know like there's there's a i i've been to you know i've I've been in weddings in in africa in arabia in your every i mean there's always there's always dance and i find it like really really fascinating um and people just get so excited about it i mean i have this this one video I'll send to you of me dancing at a wedding in Algeria. And I, oh, yeah. um, and it, I mean, the people like the screaming and the, you know, like the, they, it just, everyone gets so excited when a guest does that, especially often when you're traveling, you don't speak the same language. And so dancing is like the easiest way to, um, to communicate, um, you know, and then also like when you're young, I think why people dance a lot is like, we don't have all the tools of, communication and like where you know maybe like you're interested in in somebody or trying to become friends with somebody or whatever and then like dancing really really brings you close really fast um and i think as we get like older and there's less dancing or we put up like walls to it um it becomes uh like we we lose that ability to connect beyond words and beyond like really any kind of beyond anything i mean I, i find dance to be incredibly connecting uh, yeah. activity yeah it is i mean you have to you, you have to like this is why i now also being older have a harder time getting into it because there's a certain lack of in what is the right word inhibition you have to be somewhat inhibited or um free you have to free yourself um to a certain extent in order to connect with other people and not free yourself mentally but free yourself physically and through movement and as i'm speaking like i'm moving my hand and i'm realizing that i'm moving a lot more because i'm suddenly conscious about um my body and and how i connect 
to the world around me. I think that's the powerful thing about dance. Like what you what you were saying, even in like the most conservative Christian areas, the rituals, people are still bobbing their head or they're tapping their foot, and arguably that could be considered dance as well to to a smaller and certain extent. So yeah, I think it really is all around us, um, and can you can connect to people so so much more easily if you free yourself, if you let yourself be free. Uh, and that's also part of it too. I I found is um, encouraging people to dance. Like I feel like it's the uh, it's the job of a dancer and not not a technical dancer. Because I've always also said like you can't be a bad dancer. You can be bad at salsa. You can be bad at at soca. You can be bad at ballet. But you can't be a bad dancer because dancing is just like is expressing yourself, right? And so yeah. a lot of people are afraid to dance because they think, oh, they can only do it in one style or how are they going to look or whatever. But I always just tell, you know, like, go dance. Like, it's always more fun to dance alone. But I often think that there's sometimes a responsibility of a dancer, like at a party to like encourage other people to do it and to be the one being a little bit silly and to to get the party going. Um, and that's something I have. Like, I, I used to do a lot. You know, I'd be like, I would love to walk into bar or something and see that nobody was dancing and then be like all right like let's get everybody dancing and then go to the and then go to the dance floor and just be the only ones be in i think it comes from uh like this like maybe a youthful naivete around like uh identity almost of being like like nobody knows who i am and it doesn't matter and as you get older you like create this identity around yourself and it's harder to be free from that but you know i, I have a lot of memories of just like dancing alone but also encouraging other people to dance and like starting parties and and i've found it to uh, like it all comes back to this this joy and like the more i think about it now it's it's like sad though like i'm not like it's not a big part of like my um uh my life anymore so maybe i need to add it back in somehow <laughs> yeah yeah i think those are always good moments of realizations when um I spend some time away from from some type of art form and and then I talk about it and I realize, you know what? I need that. I need that back in my life. Um so so we talked a little bit about what you what you learned um about yourself from dancing. I want to shift it to to kind of the central question of this podcast, which is defining artistic sensibilities. Um so what does that what does that phrase or those two words mean to you artistic sensibilities so i think of it in in two ways um and and maybe stepping a little bit away from from dance one of the ways that i talk about art because i also do a lot of art collecting um is and i think i maybe have, have told you this before is that i think art needs to be a a mirror so you learn about yourself a window so you learn about the world and a TV so that you can always come back to it. And I think that artistic sensibility is kind of similar. I think that it's about being aware of yourself and, and how you express yourself and then being aware of the, the world and being aware of others and how you can connect those expressions. So it, it's, it's kind of like, you know, dance, it goes back to the conversation we just had dancing alone and dancing with others. It's like dancing alone is about understanding yourself and 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 how you want to express your your emotions. I mean, we talked about dance giving joy, but you can also I've I've danced a lot when I was like really sad and like listening to sad music and just like seeing how my body reacts to that. Um, and but then it's also about how do you communicate that feeling to to others, right? And and how can um, either if you're dancing with them or if you're dancing for them, uh, you know, to 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 whatever the the goal is, if you want to express joy, if you want to express fear, whatever it is, like how can uh, how can you dance in a way that elicits that feeling from yourself, but also communicates that to to others? And it's the same way that I say, you know, good art says something. It's about an idea or an emotion. A great art like spreads that idea and spreads that emotion, um, and I think, I think that's how I would would really look at um, the idea of, of artistic sensibilities. Any kind of medium that that enables that self reflection as well as that uh, that human connection. Mm, I love that. Yeah, and I, I when we spoke um, 
before I, I did tell you how much I love that idea of the mirror, the window, the TV, and looking at, at it through that framework. So thank you for bringing that up um, in this context. And really this idea of learn from yourself, connect to others. Um, I think that's so powerful. So um, you you have a very, from the outside looking very dry job investment <laughs> head of FDI finances. Um, I'm sure it's, it's a lot more exciting. I, I know it is a lot more exciting. Um, but how, how does your, I'm going to call it artistic practice or dance practice or the sensibilities that you've gotten from, from just dancing, um, how do they connect? Where do they connect? Um, where do they show up in, in that part of your world and your reality? I think it's a lot about that, that human connection. So not to say that they connect because of connection, but I think that going back to like that definition of artistic sensibility is learning about yourself and learning about others. Um, and that dance helps me learn about myself and learn about others. And I think also travel, you know, is again, you travel both for yourself and for others. And so I feel like in the work that I do, because I have honed the skill set of, of empathy, um, for others, but then also um, in reflection for myself, it enables me to to find the right way to communicate with um, investors who would be looking to expand and to really try and understand them more, um, to see them as not just like you know uh, numbers on a piece of paper and the amount of money that they're bringing in, but see them as human and find um, the ways to uh, to connect and to be really um, making sure that I bring empathy into into all that I do. And that goes a long way. Like I think a lot more than than people would would think, right? That, um, uh, you know, you you think that these deals, these investment deals, get done on purely a, a numbers basis, right? Like what is the return? Doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. But but actually, there there's a big relationship around that. There's needs. There's like wants. There's having like negotiation is is not about fighting for what you want, but it's a it's a dance almost. It's like it's a it's a finding the common ground and trying to understand what they want and what they can sacrifice and what you want and what you can sacrifice. And so ultimately it comes down to artistic sensibilities about connecting with yourself and with others. And that is incredibly useful, I think, in, in almost all lines of work, but especially in investing when you're, you're making important decisions, um, you know, like that have real impact on a lot of lives. And, and if you don't include empathy in that, I think you're going to be, uh, you're going to be less successful. Yeah. And maybe before I ask you a question that dives into that a little bit deeper, um, tell our listeners what you do, maybe in five sentences, if you can, just so they have an idea. Yeah. So I lead FDI attraction for the Abu Dhabi Investment Office. So it's a government entity that attracts business into the Emirate. And we give financial incentives to companies that are expanding here. So we help companies to to land in Abu Dhabi by giving them uh, by giving them money that will kind of push their business plans forward. Um, and by also giving kind of like non-financial ecosystem support. So I lead the department that um, that does the company attraction so finding the companies and the relationship management so once we sign with them the you know making sure that they're successful and then the the ecosystem enablement so making sure that all of the government entities within Abu Dhabi are supporting uh, these projects right it's a very important job um and I like that because it connects different cultures it connects to your travel as well um how yeah, so so let's dive a little bit deeper. And I love that you brought empathy into the um, into the conversation as well. I think that's such a powerful um, skill, if you want to call it a skill or just sensibility too. How do you make sure that you bring that empathy into your um, into your professional life? Yeah, so I think that there's a few ways to look at it. I mean, one is uh, to like your team, like to to your colleagues, um, also to your leadership. Um, and then, of course, to um, uh, to I guess your clients. And so, I think the biggest part where it comes through for me is in in my team and like as as a manager. Um, I've always said that the easiest way would be to just say this is my management style. Everybody adapt to me. But 
to bring in empathy and say, okay, how can I be the best manager for each person individually takes a lot more effort um, and sometimes can decrease the productivity in a way. Um, but I think that's a short-term, uh, uh, like a short-term effect. And in the long-term, if you're able to, to lead each person in a way that enables them to not only achieve what they want to achieve, but achieve more, then, then you have so much more success and you're so much more productive, even though it takes a lot more like time commitment at the beginning. Um, and so in building teams, empathy is incredibly important and it's not important in a, like an altruistic way. I think it's important for, for desired outcomes as well. Like it's, you will, you will do more, you will, you will make more money for the business. You will, you'll be more successful if you, if you're empathetic, um, I think then working with your clients, it's about, you know, how can you, that's where empathy gets a little bit harder because you might not have the same um, goal, or at least there might be some, you know, opposing views on who gets the, the most out of something. And so having that empathy to really understand, okay, like, where are you coming from? What is your need? Um, like, what is a an absolute what is uh, something that you're able to, to sacrifice a little bit like having that empathy gives you an understanding that is enables you to get the most out of out of the negotiation um, as long as you don't uh, uh, like let that be taken advantage of because I think also um, sometimes empathy can lead to um, like too much disclosure right I mean I think it's uh, uh, you don't want in a negotiation, you don't want to disclose your all of your position, but you do want to disclose enough so that they understand where you're coming from. And so, I think in with with clients, it's always important to like understand them not just as again like a number on a paper, but as people. Um, and then same with leadership, right? I mean, it's just trying to like being empathetic to okay, you're in a different position than I am, which has different kinds of um, of expectations and requirements and so you might look at a problem through different lenses and that's really what it all comes down to in all of these situations is look looking at any experience or anything that's happening and saying okay all of the people that are involved in this all the different stakeholders have a different perspective on this and uh and empathy is just about trying to understand all of those different perspectives and seeing okay what, what actually works the best for everybody and not just for myself yeah. And what I'm hearing out of that too is this going back to, to dance and the kind of pure connection that you can have with other people without words. I wonder if um some of that some of that is coming in into your work specifically because you have such a such a great understanding of these different audience groups or stakeholders, um, to use more of a business term. And and I do feel like you in order to understand their needs sometimes or often it's not about the words that they're saying or the questions that you're asking and how they're responding but it's really being able to build more of a deeper connection with them um, that allows you to understand really where they're going and what they mean with their words I don't know if that um, if I'm going in a direction there that seems seems true for you but I just wanted to reflect that um, back to you yeah I think it's it's not something that is active right like it's mm. not like if you see me in the office i'm gonna be saying okay like you know let's uh, uh let's think about how everybody feels about this or something i think it's a little bit more intuitive um and i think that that's also something interesting about uh dance like when people talk about uh you know again i was saying you know with dance you don't need to communicate so it's how what is the intuition you know like you could say oh like like let's say you like dance with you know, somebody at a club all night, you might assume like, oh, like that, like we're friends or like maybe more than friends or whatever, like you get a vibe from somebody, even if all you did was dance. I think in, um, it's the same in, uh, like in, in business, right? Like the, you might not be, it's not black and white. Um, I think there's some like intuition involved. It's not like you, everything you learn about them is something that they say to you. Um, there's so much context of like, you know, where somebody is from, you know, like how old they are, all these different things that kind of give you a sense of, of, of who the person is. And, and, uh, um, and so, so yeah, I do think it's, 
plays an incredibly important part, um, but it but it's not as as like active as uh, <laughs> as it, it might seem from like listening to the way I was just speaking about. It. Yeah, yeah, no, but I think um, calling attention to that is 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 really part of this podcast as well as to say what are these things that we might be doing subconsciously or that are just informing the way that we're existing in the world because I think especially with the arts it's so hard to articulate the impact that the arts can have or that an artistic practice can have on on how you live your life or um, how you're affecting other people so I think um, I'm a big believer in in reflecting and in doing exactly that um, what you were saying about through art, this this mirror and and understanding yourself a little bit better, and I think that by maybe drawing some points of connections that might exist and exploring those, um, we we can make it easier for people too to be proud of bringing bringing the practice that they might be doing at home, whether that's sketching or drawing or photography into their business, um, into their professional lives and to say, no, I'm doing this and this is how this is actually informing my work or that's why I'm so good at negotiating or at figuring out um, what the other party needs or wants. Um, so I appreciate I appreciate you going down this, this road and journey with me. Um, something else. Oh, yeah. What you were saying, it reminded me of, I've been watching these Instagram reels and, and TikToks of um, dancers who improvise. And I think it's so clear this kind of the connection that you need to have with the other person, this give and take and, and almost feeling the other person without the words knowing when they move their hand up or down your body responds in different ways. Um, I, I just wanted to, to mention that that kind of when, when you were talking, that's what I what I was thinking about. It's imp it's sometimes not necessarily visible. But that connection is is there, whether you want it or not. That reminds me of like something I've always like I've always struggled with is um, like really misogynistic male-led dancing. Mm. So I remember I took um, some salsa classes. Um, actually, no, maybe it was merengue. Whatever, I took some Latin dance, and it was basically like, okay, the men you do X, Y, Z, and the women you just do whatever the man says. And that's like exactly what the teacher said. And I know that's like incredibly oversimplifying it but like just him saying that really like put me off in a way because soka is really female-led in a way like there's this term mm -hmm. test your wine where basically like a woman will come in front of you and she will wine her hips and the idea is like can you follow her right like so it's like the man is, the woman is leading and the man is following um and uh and similar i guess in like the east african line dance it's it's a really um uh, like separate i mean there's usually a line of women and a, a line of of men um and if there is interaction that's not really led by one or the other necessarily it, it depends kind of on what's going on and i guess also in ballet really it's you know a, a lot more uh, like mutual um you know like different the different genders have different roles but um i find it uh uh you know some of you, you see a lot of culture in dance too, like the, the mm -hmm. ugly and the, the beautiful. Um, and that's one thing I've always like thought about a little bit when I've, I've been like learning these other styles was kind of like, oh, like, why does it, this have to play a role in it? And, and also, it's also a similar conversation that people always think dance, um, especially the kinds of dance that I've done are way more sexual than they actually are. You know, like mm -hmm. that, and it's, um, and it's actually similar to what I said before, like the difference between dancing for with somebody. And there's like a, um, it, you know, you, uh, in any time where there is like human connections, there's going to be people like putting power dynamics into that connection. And there's going to be people taking advantage of that connection. Um, and you see that in, in dance. And then of course you see that even more in, um, uh, like in the business world, right? Like, yes empathy like leads to productivity for the like the for everybody involved but um you know maybe more detrimental uh power dynamics will lead to uh, a benefit of one person and that might be what ends up winning um and that's kind of like a, an interesting uh, uh like connection to make between how you see that play out in in 
dance and how you see that play out in uh, like in like a negotiation table uh, because yeah. it's yeah, it can be that that can be like it can all be taken advantage of like any if you're trying to be empathetic you're you're opening yourself up to uh, to that risk as well yeah yeah and maybe well i'm an idealist in that sense so i i would argue i will always argue for empathy and uh transparency or openness or honesty to a certain extent a dance story that kind of connects with business that i used to always do is i i went through a phase of really hating the question what do you do and mm. it was more because i just didn't want to talk about work and and also i was thinking a lot about value and like what does the question what do you do mean like you could optimistically or idealistically say oh they're just trying to find a way to connect and get to know you but i think often the what do you do actually is more of like like how should i value you and mm. maybe that's like cynical but there was a long time where i would always answer it with i dance and mm. there's this one time in particular i was on a flight from the states to to Abu Dhabi and uh the, there was a woman sitting next to me and she asked, what do you do? And I said, I dance. And then we had this great conversation about dance for the next however many hours. And before we were about to land, I said, oh, you know, I have to go to Saudi Arabia tomorrow for work. And I just feel like so tired. And, you know, like, I, I don't want to go. And she looked at me, she goes, oh, I didn't realize that they dance in Saudi Arabia. And this was in 2013 or 2014. So this was, uh, you know, now there's a lot more dancing than there was, but maybe at the time she was correct. And I said, oh, no, I I'm a consult. I'm a business consultant. I'm I'm not going for dance. And she looked at me like I had like lied to her. She was like, "You said you dance," and I was like, "I do dance." Like we've talked about this clear, you know. And I just thought that was so funny that um, uh, like <laughs> you know, that she kind of felt misled by being like, "What do you do?" But I think it's um, I would like to encourage more people to when someone says, "What do you do?" to to say, "Okay, actually." Let me tell you where I get joy from, because that's what I value, right? Um, yeah. Rather than let me tell you what, like, how society values me or, like, what brings me money uh, or monetary value. And um, and I think then we would have so much more interesting conversations if we would just, <laughs> if we would focus on, uh, you know, like, what, what brings you joy or, like, what's exciting you right now in the world rather than, you know, what do you do for work? Yeah. Yeah, I think expanding that question into what do you do that brings you joy? Because all of the people that I talk to from the outside, they have a job and that's what they do. But then once you go deeper and you get to know them, they all have like these multifaceted identities that it's hard to, to talk about. I mean, often it's hard to talk about with your family too for them to understand exactly um, what you do because you might be doing five different things that bring you joy and they it might look like they're not connected at all but the underlying kind of thread or point of connection is that is that idea of joy and happiness and as long as the things that you do bring you that why not do them it doesn't matter how other people see it or perceive it I yeah and there's also i think i think there's also a, a difference between um like what you do and what brings you joy and also like what you're good at um and and uh i sometimes worry like even like i don't think i was ever very like a, like a phenomenal dancer like i think i was always like good i also think because of the styles i did i was also kind of always a novelty you know like i was the white guy doing east africa line dancing you know like the like my solos would get really loud applauses, I think because of, <laughs> not because of the dancing, uh, but more of like me doing the dancing. Um, yeah. And and I, there was a long time where I like struggled with like, oh, like I, yeah, I guess I can't say I'm a dancer because I'm not the best, you know? Um, or like, when can you say that you're a dancer? You know, like when can you say that you dance or whatever? And then I think I, at some point, I, I kind of like stopped worrying about it a little bit, but um even like before coming on this, I was like, you know, um, how, like, who am I to talk about dance? And then like, as we're talking, I'm like, you know what, like that actually was a really foundational, like part of my <laughs> experience and really connecting, connects to a lot of what I do. Um, and so, uh, and uh, so, yeah, I can, I'm definitely a dancer and I can talk about dance. <laughs> yes, I love it. Thank you. I And thank you for sharing that because I I think that it's so 
calling yourself a type of artist, like a dancer, or I'm a singer, or I'm a director, it's, that, that can seem so scary. But we we don't need to do that. We don't need to be a dancer to have artistic sensibilities. We don't need to be a, a singer to know how to sing or to know how to listen carefully. I think even if you just do it as a hobby or as something that brings you joy and you don't do it professionally, there is value in that. So I'm really, I'm really grateful that you're bringing that value onto this podcast and to our listeners as well. And maybe going down that route of value creation or whatever you want to call it, um, from, from your reflections, how do you think people with an arts background who maybe finished university, but they've been studying the arts or those who are artists and want to move to a different career, in what ways can they leverage their sensibilities to to engage with corporations or businesses? I think it's a lot about um, uh, about that going back to the theme of like empathy and connection, but it's mm. it's a lot about okay how uh, you know you you don't create art in a vacuum right like you don't create invisible art um, you know there it art is an expression of a feeling or an idea or something right and so there it's not just even the most basic art if it's just meant to be pretty is still uh that's a, a human sensibility and, and desire right um and so there is still that idea of like connecting with yourself and connecting with others and so i think in a way it's about okay how can you take that what you learned in that expression or in those expressions artistically and kind of use that to make sure that you're you're still expressing in the relationships that you have to have in, in business or in the um the uh, the content that you're producing in in business i mean um the orange man called his book the art of the deal for a reason right i mean like it's mm. uh it, it it is a, an art to it i mean there is those kind of like sensibilities around um uh, around corporate yeah life um and maybe there needs to be more of it like there needs to be a little bit more thinking of not just doing something in a binary zero in one way but thinking okay how can this be uh how can this be structured how can i get like what do i want to get out of it how am i getting that out um, like is it sparking joy <laughs> or is it just giving me a return and is that return enough joy or do i need something more so uh i think you know to conclude that ramble a little bit i think it's it's about um you know, through art, through art forms, you, you learn to reflect on yourself and reflect on others. And, and I think that in, in the business world, being really sure of yourself and confident through that reflection, um, will enable your success. Mm. I love that. I'm, I'm, I'm letting that sink in a little bit, the being confident about yourself and knowing yourself enables success because it brings it kind of brings you down to a value-driven person to a certain extent if you know your values if you know who you are it is easier for you to say no to the wrong things and yes to the right things and make use of the opportunities that that might come your way um is what i'm that just comes to my mind to to kind of reflect that learning that you just gave me um in your capacity as a head of a department and and working um, for an investment office, how can how can you or the organization encourage the use um, of artistic sensibilities in in that part of the world? I think a large part. For, yeah, for yeah. me, it comes with like the relationship management and then the team management. So it's um, you know really leaving space in the day for that kind of um reflection you know in corporate world world we call it a lot of feedback right so <laughs> um, you know how do we get feedback and like reflect on okay like what am i doing well what do i enjoy um like what do i want the future to look like what can i learn from what i did today you know and i think um maybe the the deliverable or the outcome in the corporate world might be like a chart you know, or like an Excel sheet or a PowerPoint thing. But at the end of the day, it's still kind of like reflecting an idea, um, you know, or a, uh, or, or an emotion. 
similar to how a painting, you know, is is trying to to communicate that idea. So, um, you know, if you think about okay, how do you look at a PowerPoint slide versus how do you look at a painting? You're actually asking a lot of the same questions. Like, okay, how does this make me feel by just looking at it quickly? You know, like like what's the aesthetic of it? You know, you want your your deliverables to look nice um, because it's pleasing to the eye and makes somebody dive deeper into it. Um, you know, then you're saying, okay, like, what, well, what is it, what is it trying to say? Um, you know, so is, is it communicating something like clearly, like, are, is there, like, are, are you getting something from it? And then, uh, and then kind of, okay, well, how do, how do I feel about that? Right. Um, yeah. and you know, in, and in art, it might be like, oh, like, you know, okay, how, you know, how does that make me feel like the reflection of the thought that on, in a, in a PowerPoint <laughs> delivery, maybe it's um you know okay like what do i what do i do next with this and so uh i don't know how deep i can make that analogy go i've, I've only just thought about it, but i do think it's uh um, it's an appropriate one to be like okay like how do we how do we consume art um you know and how how much of a parallel is that to how we consume um uh work and i think there it, it is quite maybe not identical but i think there there's a lot to that and so making sure that um, everything that we're doing is is communicating something clearly is like driving action, um, you know, works. And and so in in team management, making sure that all of the the, the team is able to to express themselves well and that nobody's like uh, views are, are not being included. And then I think in relationship management, working with others, it's a lot about, OK, like, how do we how do we understand one another? Um, and uh, I think a lot of that understanding and human connection uh, comes from those artistic facilities. Yeah, yeah. And sadly, we're coming up on time. So to start to draw this episode to a close, I want to go back to something that you said at the very beginning, um, which was you realizing that you um, haven't really been dancing for a while. So what are you going to do to start dancing again? I like that question. I think, I mean, luckily I have that dancing mirror. So maybe it's just about putting on some good music and just like forgetting that, uh, about everything else. And like, just like dancing for a minute, you know, maybe it's, uh, um, you know, maybe it starts there, you know, like dancing a little bit alone. And then, um, uh, you know, I'm having a party this weekend. Maybe I should like clear out the tables and make a more active dance space. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know why I've, I've stopped. I mean, I think it's, um, uh, I think sometimes we also like need to like let ourselves be happy. Like it's okay to be joyful. Um, yeah. I think we're so, you know, boxed in by like what emotions we feel like we can or can't have based on who we are, where we are, or what we're doing. Um, but maybe, you know, like maybe just have joy. Actually, you know, like yesterday, this like funny thing happened to me that I, um, uh, have actually been like it weirdly been thinking about the whole day, which is that I was at the gym and like my trainer was like we were taking turns, like he would do an exercise, I would do one in in between sometimes like when the other person was doing it, you know, like we might do like a side thing, like a, a small exercise on the side. And um at one point when he was was doing one um you know one exercise, I was like standing and kind of just like like pulling a little bit on the rope or something. And he looked at me, he's like, what, like, what are you doing? Like, what muscle are you, uh, like, what is that? And I, and I was like, oh no, I'm just playing. You know, and it was like, this like really kind of like vulnerable moment in a way where I was like, just doing something ridiculous in the gym. And he was like, what is that? And I was like, no, I'm just playing. Like, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not focused on making any muscle bigger. I'm just like having fun and I'm playing. And then today at work, I had a, a gaming company come and present to me like a, you know, a mobile gaming, um, mm. esports company. And, um, and they, in their pitch, they were talking about like making play more, um, you know, more for like, you know, out in our culture. Um, and, and I remember in, in the university, we studied the theory of play with like Heitzinga. Um, who's a kind of like a philosopher on play. And I like mentioned that to the company and they actually did, they were aware of him. And we had this interesting discussion around play um, all started because of this, uh, this funny comment at the gym where I was just like playing with, you know, like a, an a extension band or something. And, uh, and so maybe 
the next step is just like letting myself like have joy and like playing a little bit and you know uh not worrying if somebody at the gym is like you know that's not building a muscle and i can be like no but it's it's fun <laughs> you know, like that's yeah all yeah thank you for sharing that story that's it reminds me i was dancing in the gym yesterday when like in between i was working out um the, the they play this like what techno rap type music in in the gym where i'm at and it just made me like move my hips a little bit and like my hands and arms i didn't really care about how i looked because i just wanted to have fun and and i was vibing with the music so yes like dance go take take kind of take charge of your emotions and if you feel down and you want to dance dance um or just dance to have joy um exactly. yeah i mean sure yeah um so last question for for this episode what are your next big milestones and what intentions are you setting for them that's that is a really great question i think um i have always known like what would make a, a good day like what i would feel successful with like i know i like to to dance to exercise to pray to read um to like talk to family um and yet a lot of times i find myself at the end of the day not having done many of those and so i think it's the the milestone is really i just want to like get back to to me um and and really think through like everything i do in in um in my day is there a reason for it? Does it link back to one of those, those things that like brings me happiness and brings me joy? And if it doesn't, then I don't need to be doing it. Um, and so that's what I'm going to try and do in, in uh, like I'm starting now, but like really hardcore, you know, New Year's resolution 2023. I just want to, um, to make sure that I don't forget what brings me joy. Cause it's not that we, that we do activities that bore us for no reason. It's because I think, uh, you know, sometimes we just forget like that this makes me happy and i think this podcast is, was a really good conversation actually to be like you know what i should dance more often i like dancing and and i'm good at it and so why not why not do it more that makes me happy yay um awesome where where can people learn more about you if they if they're curious so uh i'm i'm not super posty lately but um on instagram at sal Lavalo, um also have quite a few travel videos on YouTube, also Salvalo, and then increasingly on the business side, uh, LinkedIn also um, there for uh, Salvatore Lavalo. So all pretty straightforward. Only one in the world with my name, so easy to find. Great. And I'll put those links in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for coming on this episode. It was amazing to talk to you and thank you for diving in with me and, and learning and exploring together. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Salvatore. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Arts in Business. Episodes are being released weekly, so make sure to follow or subscribe. I hope you have a great week ahead of you.